All right, folks, we're here with episode two of TR Talk, where we interview leaders from their respective fields to learn how millennials can differentiate themselves in today's workforce. The podcast is hosted by Tom Alamo and yours truly, Ryan Warner. On today's episode, we have Thomas Fries, who's a best-selling author in the sales methodology space, has trained thousands of sales professionals from the likes of EMC, Dell, HP, and Microsoft. Before that, he spent 17 years in the trenches in a B2B account executive role. We had a blast interviewing Thomas. In the, in the episode, we go deep into the fundamentals of sales execution, how losing creates the opportunity to learn and hone your skills, and also how Thomas leverages curiosity to pique the client's interest. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, please share or like, and we'll see you next time. Thanks again. All right, folks, we are live with TR Talk. This is Ryan Warner and your co-host, Tom Alema. Hey, Tom, nice to see you and uh, talk to you and looking forward to kicking this off. Thanks. It's, uh, it's, thanks for having me and I'm glad to be here. Excellent. I just want to start with a quote that I think is, is pretty fitting for, uh, for our guest today, folks. So this is by Tony Robbins. Uh, you know, quality questions create a quality life. Successful people ask better questions and as a result, they get better answers. And just given our guest today, you know, Thomas Fries founded the question-based selling methodology. He's authored five best-selling books on sales effectiveness. You know, we could not be more excited to, to have him. Thanks for coming on the show, um, and let's kick things off. I know that you started your career with a degree in finance from Florida, but just to, just to kick things off for the audience, what drove you into sales? Well, I, I, I'm not sure... Um... That, that I woke up one morning and got hit by lightning. But when you have a degree in finance, you pretty much have two choices. One is to work at a bank. And I, I just never envisioned that. But, you know, everything is in business is really based on finance. So that's kind of foundational. And um, and so I ended up going into sales, uh, first for hospital information systems company. And, you know, I wasn't, they didn't immediately promote me to Colonel, they said you start at the bottom and doing sales support and demos and such like that, and then you work your way into a, a, a sales role. Um, but what I found is, you know, sales is is an unknown. I mean, Ryan, you have a, a college degree. Tom, do you have a college degree? I would guess, right? Yep, I do. Is it in sales? <laughs> no, I um, I know very few colleges. I think it's becoming a little bit more noticeable now, but very few colleges offer a sales course, let alone a sales major. Right. And the Harvard Business School has never even offered a single sales course, yet sales drives every company. So I'm in front of people, you know, you know, sales is the least top profession in the world. So, you know, whether whether you you're studied X, Y, or Z, it's it's easy to end up there. What's hard is to figure it out for yourself. And so, so it's, it's, you know, in the, in the old days, it was passed down through the generations. Nowadays, you know, there's plenty of sales training to go around, much of which contradicts, you know, program A contradicts program B contradicts program C. And, and, uh, you know, I was, I was unfortunate in some respects to get some bad advice and, and then fortunate in some respects to figure some of the things out. And, 
and then here we are 20 years later having trained I don't know how many thousand people and such and there you go I forget what well, I exactly you... propelled me into sales other than <laughs> you know um, it was helping people and communicating effectively is what good salespeople do and and that's that's what kind of I, I guess it interested me in how exactly do you do that? And so here, here we are. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what, what would be interesting to hear is, you know, I know you've trained folks from EMC, Dell, SAP, Microsoft, but I'd love to hear the story of, of how you went from an individual contributor in tech sales to ultimately teaching your own company how to sell. Could you speak to that a little bit? Well, yeah, that was kind of the premise of my first book is is um, most of the sales, first of all, the phrase sales training doesn't mean anything because it means a number of different things. And so like both of you, I bet, you know, when you're new in sales, they send you to, you know, this training program and that training program. And, you know, the, the, the ones that have been around kind of the big five, uh, strategic selling by Miller Hyman, solution selling, power-based selling, target account selling, spin selling, and then you can go value-based selling, Socratic selling, and there's, you, you know, it just goes on and on. And so, I, you know, I, I went to class after class after class, and my first year I finished at a whopping 45% of my sales quota, which I actually thought was good. I was glad to be above zero, to be honest. You know, my cube mates are going to Hawaii on club trips and stuff, and I'm sitting in my cube. And, and the next year, they sent me to another class, and and, um, and I didn't make my number. And then the next year, uh, I went to Miller Hyman Strategic Selling and didn't make my number. And, and, and for five consecutive years, my first five years in sales, I, I didn't make my assigned quota. So at some point, you, you do one of two things. You either give up. Turns out frustration is an interesting animal because it manifests in one of two ways. Either one, you quit. You just say, I'm, I'm not meant to be in sales. Uh, I'm a little stubborn in that regard. And, and the other is to say, hey, may, maybe I should make a few adjustments because it, it works somehow. And so the thing that was frustrating me is most of the classes I'm going to are process trainings. So, so they say, you know, you know, Tom, you need to uncover needs and you need to propose solutions and you need to identify prospects and qualify. And I don't disagree with any of that. But that's equivalent of having a golf lesson and having the instructor say, hey, you need to hit it straight and long and make the putt. I mean, I get that. But I'm like, what am I doing different than everybody else is, who's, you know, sunning in Hawaii? And so what, what, what traditional sales training doesn't spend a lot of time talking about is how exactly to execute. So they say, well, you need to identify prospects and then qualify and then uncover needs. And some people are killing it at almost any company, both you guys, your company, some people are killing it. And some people are struggling to survive, selling the same value proposition, calling the same types of mm -hmm. customers. And, and what's the difference? And the difference is at the product or the company, because they're the same, uh, you know, if you're looking at one within one organization, the difference is execution. And so I guess one of the reasons I, I enjoy golf, but one of the reasons you don't watch me on the weekend playing on the PGA Tour is because the guys on television somehow are better executing the shot than me. Yeah. They're not hitting mm -hmm. it into the houses. I am. So, so once I started to figure that out, I was like, wait a minute. 
how exactly can we produce a better result when reaching out to prospects? How do you get a higher callback rate? How do you get more people to want to engage with you? In, in other words, uh, you, you quoted Tony Robbins earlier, asking questions. I, I would say asking questions is not the skill in sales today. You literally can hand a fifth grader a list of sales questions and they can read them off just like anybody else. The, the, the real skill in sales today is how do you cause people to want to share with a salesperson they don't yet know and trust? Just because a salesperson wants to ask a bunch of questions doesn't mean people want to share with every salesperson that comes calling. Everybody listening to this podcast knows that all too well. And so, so I started to experiment with what I might call non-traditional approaches to the sales process. Some of the experiments I tried, of course, didn't work. One of the best ways to learn how to sell, I mean, to really learn, is to lose. And, 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 and I'm not one who likes to lose. And so, you know, especially not over and over again for the same reason. So I started to accumulate a list of things that weren't helping me. And, and many of those same things are still being taught now 30 years later in sales training courses. It's, it's absurd. It's unbelievable to me. And fortunately, some of the experiments I tried worked. And when something works, you know, what do you do? You try it again. And when it works over and over and over and over again. And so for me, it didn't happen overnight. I made my quota my sixth year. It eked it out. Let's say it like that. And then seventh year and everything else. And then came 1990, where I finished at 200% of my number. And of course, in corporate America, when you finish at 200% of your quota, guess what happens the following year to your number? You get Close rewarded, up. they call it. They double it. <laughs> and then I I hit I hit two hundred percent again in nineteen ninety one and ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, and and I'm not I'm not boasting, I'm just saying I've been on both sides of this fence. I, I beat my head against mm-hmm. a wall saying how's how's it work and I've been killing it and the president of my company called me up and, and, and said, Hey, you know, we give you a number that's not attainable, then you double it, and you've done it now six years in a row, would you be willing to train everyone else? And I, I respectfully declined. You know, I said, A, you're not making my number smaller, thank you very much. And, and B is, <laughs> is, I don't know how to train people. And one of the things, Ryan and Tom, if you go to successful salespeople today and say, what are you doing that gives you an advantage? And most, and when I say most, I mean 98 point something percent can't tell you what how they're doing it they use high level words like i build relationships i i communicate value i uncover the needs and 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 the person who's asking the question the young salesperson wants to succeed is just deer in the headlights i'm trying to do that too and i know exactly what that feels like and so so at our national sales meeting the president quartered me and and handed me a check for seventy five thousand dollars and i said what what what's this? He said, "Well, that's when I'm going to give you give you to train the rest of the sales organization, and wow. I could be wow. bought. It's real simple." And and uh, <laughs> I said, "Okay." And and so I trained my peers. And the issue is one thing: is is it doable? And the answer was yes, because I did it seven years in a row. And and then the question is: is it transferable? And the answer mm. is yes, because the tide at uh, the company I was at at the time uh, rose across the board, and and then oh. and then I um, decided to take a year off, and and enough people encouraged me. Tom, you got to bottle this. Yeah, that's that's really a, an incredible story, and you know I think it's great for the listeners here that 
they may be struggling in, in sales or, or any other role. It's, it's really interesting that, you know, I didn't know that about your story where you had the first five years that, you know, you weren't quite making it. And, and you mentioned, you know, what you did to kind of turn it around was, all right, clearly lost. I need to make a list of things and, and reasons why I'm losing. And, and you mentioned that some of those or, or all of them are still being taught today. I'd, I'd be curious to hear, you know, any examples that you have of, you know, reasons why you were losing. And, you know, I assume that salespeople today are still root still losing for those same reasons well i i i I don't know i give you a couple examples one is um the elevator pitch you know everybody's familiar with that phrase and next week when i head off to seattle to do a training for a technology company the the you know i'll say okay what's your elevator pitch and they'll say well we're a leading provider of uh, solutions and capabilities with a commitment to excellence and quality of the second to none and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. And I'll write down all the buzzwords and I'll say, okay, which one of your competitors th- says they're not doing that? Which one of your competitors runs around saying, we're, we're actually second best next to those guys over there. <laughs> so, so yeah. what happens is, you know, um, uh, uh, t- Tom, since Ryan and I have talked a couple of times, you and I haven't. Tom, how many email solicitations from vendors have you deleted off your iPhone or, or your smartphone in the last 60 days without reading past the very first sentence? Probably 99% of them. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. And, and so, by the way, your target customers of all your listeners are getting bombarded and their names are being sold to in databases. And, you know, so as soon as you go out and say, we're a leading provider, everything else, Okay, join the club, get in line. That's that's not going to get you anywhere. So let's let's take that fallacy and and say, what do you do instead? Well, that's hard to answer in a single word, but that's one example. Here's another example. Uh, uh, would you agree that uncovering needs is an important part of the sales process? Yep. Yep. I teach people not to do that. Which is. <laughs> Seriously, and and your listeners now are saying this guy's a freak or whatever. Well, what if in the next 30 seconds I get you both to agree with me? In in, in other words, watch. You guys are both experienced salespeople, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Have you ever come across a salesperson who, or excuse me, a customer who didn't really know what they needed? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All the time, right? In other words, they're not really sure exactly, do I need green, blue, big, small, whatever? Well, if the customer doesn't know what they need, then trying to uncover the needs from the customer is a fool's errand. You're, you're, if they don't know, then, then you're not going to find out from them. That's A. B, have you ever run across a customer who thought they knew exactly what they needed until you had a little bit of conversation, education, and their needs morphed into something completely different? Does that ever happen? All the time. All the time, exactly. So what I teach instead is needs development. In other words, I would be quick to say, uh, I had a conference call this afternoon at 4 o'clock with uh, uh, an insurance, uh, vice president of insurance company, vice president of sales. And and so here's what I said to him. I said, besides the obvious goal of ramping up new salespeople, having a competitive advantage, and, and, and boosting your bottom line profitability, what specifically are you most concerned about? Well, watch. Ryan, what percentage of the customers you talk to or have talked to in your career have some kind of pride or ego in their job? Yeah, probably all of them. Yeah, everybody's kind of proud of what they do. Well, 
if you bring up two or three things or four things besides the obvious goal of this, 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 what specifically are you most concerned about? The customer will, will want to match you or exceed you. So if you just go out and say, Mr. Customer, what do you need? They'll tell you one, two, three things that they're interested in. And then salespeople go off chasing that with blinders on. If if you say, well, besides the obvious, I'm just giving you an example of one technique, uh, one slice mm -hmm. of a very large pie. Besides the obvious goals of A, B, and C, what specifically are you trying to accomplish? All of a sudden, they'll, they'll start sharing three, four, five, six things. And the reality is, especially both of you in technology sales, as of my, I, I came up through the ranks of technology sales, if we sat down right now and made a list, there's, there's no such thing as a customer who has only one need. For example, mm -hmm. if the customer says, what we need is security, okay, is that help with compliance? Is that going to impact your revenue? Is that, what, how about image in the marketplace? Do we need to protect information? What about intellectual property? And all of a sudden, the customer starts saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that too. Uh, that too. And so my question to a salesperson is not, what does the customer need? In other words, what did you extract? My question to a salesperson before, during, or after a call would be, what topics did you bring up in the conversation that the customer would otherwise not have brought up on their own? So mm -hmm. everybody talks about value add. Value doesn't come in the form of solutions only. In fact, it's more valuable to help customers understand their needs than it is to provide a solution. Provide a solution is easy. Helping people understand exactly what they need, that hitting and, and then hitting that target, that's the value part. That's what's refreshing about your material is that it's a new look on sales development and training. Um, and I just kind of following up on that theme, you know, most of our listeners are young professionals who are you know, trying to work their way up through the ranks. And maybe some are a little bit older, but I'd be curious to understand what are a few things that you would you would suggest or what things can they do today or tomorrow to start building credibility or start differentiating themselves to ultimately you know, get closer to hitting their numbers? Sales organizations and individual salespeople ought to be focused on five letters instead of three. Return on invested sales effort. So if you're going to put in an eight-hour day or nine-hour day or 10-hour day or however hard somebody's going to work, yep. what, if, what if you can get 10 opportunities in the forecast instead of only two for the same amount of effort? It's a higher return on invested effort. And so, so you can't just wish for that. You got to understand how the different pieces of the, or different mechanics of inner, inner communication, if you will, work. And so it's a little bit like, um, you know, figure skating. I'm not a f big figure skater. Maybe you guys are. I, I, I'm not. But I, I enjoy watching it's, it in the, uh, yeah. the Olympics and such. Oh, you're a big figure skater? Yeah. yeah. Hey, Ryan, go out and do a triple salkow followed by a double toe loop. Okay, well, that's easy to say as it is, well, hey, make 100 calls and find 20 prospects. That, that's yeah. easy to say, but when, pe when customers are, are now increasingly standoffish, and this is what the newer up-and-coming salesperson today faces more than the old-school veteran who in the good old days used to talk about how easy it was, blah, blah, blah is is skepticism customer skepticism has increased dramatically 
And so what 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 ends up happening is you know you hear the stories of well I camped out the outside the CIO's office uh, until five o'clock until he came out and then I got a, I, I got to meet with him for ten minutes and made the sale. Well, guess what? All, all the company's CIOs now have badges and you can't even get in the building. So right. so they. Yeah, then you got email, voicemail, and they don't get returned. There's a less than 1% response rate when you reach out to people on email and voicemail. So one of mm -hmm. the things, and uh, Tom, I think you hinted at this earlier, what would I recommend to build credibility? How about the word curiosity? In other words, yeah. when you reach out to people, one of the questions I ask a lot is, what are you doing to leverage curiosity in the sales process? And people are mm. like, huh, what? So if you go to the bookstore tonight and you pull every sales book off the shelf, it's not mentioned anywhere. And what I would argue is if a prospect or customer is not the least bit curious about who you are, or what you can do for them, they don't want to spend time with you. They're not going to return your call. They're not going to re respond to your emails. The opposite is true. As you become more curious about who you are, or what you can do for them, you get more mindshare with key people and target accounts. And just to give you a, a, a real-life example of this, or your listeners, I guess, is, mm -hmm. is the typical cold call sounds like this. Hi, this is uh, 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 Ryan Warner calling from you know ABC Company. I just want to take a few minutes of your time, see if there's an opportunity to have a conversation about this and that. Call me back. I mean, that's not what you would say, Ryan, but typical, right? Right. I'd right. like to have a few minutes of your time. If you only a brief window, five minutes, please call me back. Whatever, whatever you say, click. Right. Well, I don't have a canned voicemail because if I left five different voicemails for five different people, I might use to five totally different sets of words. But my strategy is going to be consistent. It's real simple. The, the trigger that causes people to respond, voicemail, email or meetings is curiosity. So I might leave a message. Uh, uh, hey, 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 Bill, this is Tom Fries calling from ABC Company. I was on a conference call a week ago Wednesday with your counterpart in another account, and a handful of issues came up just after lunch that might directly impact your security platform moving forward. Two are time sensitive. I thought I'd be proactive, see if it makes sense to have a conversation. If you get a chance today, call me back. I should be here till around 4.15-ish. My number is blah, blah, blah. Is, yep. is a guaranteed callback. Because people want to know who, who, who did you talk to and what, what issues and what's time sensitive. And, and the reality is if you say, well, Tom, what, what if you didn't have a conference call with their counterpart? Well, then you don't say that. But, yep, but just yep, call and yep. say, I would like to spend a few minutes of your time. The phrase, I would like to, the customer finishes in their own head. I would like to accomplish yep. my sales goals by taking a few minutes of your time. And, and that's a click. I would like to hit my quota by. <laughs> Great. Click. Yeah. Click. Yeah. And and I'm coming in all the time. And uh, by the way, I'm not saying people have bad intentions. I'm just saying customers are much more skeptical. So if it's not purpose, if it's not purposeful, valuable, credible, and and and, and uh, relevant, it, it, it's just instant delete on email and click on voicemail. And the reality is, I tell people the day after a QBS training, you should expect 50 plus percent response on voicemail and email. And on a weekly basis, people call and say, hey, it actually works. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's why I wrote six books. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I, I love the thought of 
you know, doing some sort of an audit of yourself. And if you're working eight, 10, 12, 14 hours, however many hours you're working, perhaps you can get 12 hours worth of work done in six hours or eight hours by just being more effective with each call and with each email by using these tactics. So you don't have to tout, Hey, I worked 80 hours this week. It's all about the results. It's about the meetings booked, you know, what you're able to sell, how effective you are. So I love the philosophy of that. Well, there's that. There's the result, and obviously that that translates at some point into income. There's also the emotions. I mean, it's uh, you know, my one of my first sales managers said, "Look, rejection comes with the territory. Learn to live with it." And I'm just not good at that. I, I, I'm not good yeah. at being rejected. I, I've been married now 28 and a half years. Um, as a matter of fact, as of today. But but you know, the whole idea when I was single of huh. Congratulations. Well, thanks. I mean, is, uh, can you imagine hanging out with me for that long? Seriously, but the, <laughs> the 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 whole idea when I was single of walking up to somebody and say, "Hey, you want to go out for dinner or a date or something?" and and having them go, "Not with you," you know, I just I just not good at that. And, and so right, what right. I found is in sales, rejection is not that much fun. So the easiest way to Reduce rejection is to win more. So it turns out probability success and, and risk are inversely related. So if you can increase somebody's probability success, in other words, if you're getting a 50% callback rate when you reach out to somebody on voicemail or email, which is the, the two common platforms now, it's fun to win. What's hard is yeah. to make 100 calls in a day and feel like, you know, what did I get out of that? And so, so what I, what I did for myself, frankly, I, I, I don't, I don't give myself some kind of credit, um, of inspiration. It's more about desperation. I'm just not good at beating my head against the wall for, for no reason. So, yeah. so it turns out it, it is transferable and teachable, learnable, and it actually, yeah, it works. Well, I think one thing I've, picked up in this conversation is, you know, you mentioned how often does an elevator pitch sound like another company, but how often do your voicemails sound like the guy next to you leaving the voicemails? I mean, if, if they're similar, there's probably a problem. And yeah, it might be worth the time split and audit and, and see how you can change that to pique more curiosity. So I think that, that's great, great insight. The only thing I would say, Ryan, is audit sounds so formal. It, it, I, yeah. I, I would say, you know, when you get off the phone, say what worked and, and what would I have said differently? And, and when you get out of a demo, you say, OK, what went well and what went differently? Just to become self-aware is, is better than auditing. I mean, it's pretty clear what you focus on, right? And I, I listened to a, a podcast where you mentioned you're not a motivator. You, you help with execution because when folks are executing, they stay self-motivated. Um, and I love that. Yeah. If you teach people how to be more effective. It's easy to get motivated to go to work and pick up the phone. I mean, sales is fun when you win. So I just focus on teaching people how to win more. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I think that uh, I could use a few more wins. <laughs> I think we all could. I know we're getting close to the end. I think we're going to do a quick few minutes here of rapid-fire questions. I think you know, Ryan and myself are each going to throw one or two questions at you real quick. So I know you're a big fan of, of Zig Ziglar. I've heard a couple times on uh, podcasts or, or content that you published that he had a big impact on you. I'd love to know what's one thing you've taken away from Zig's teachings and learnings after all these years? 
Um, I think I think Zig Zig. Well, he first of all, he's a motivational speaker. So mm-hmm. Zig, Zig grew up. I mean, his sales career was selling pots and pans door to door, which we're way past that era. If you go door to door by the fourth house, you get arrested. So <laughs> so yeah. So that's we're we're way past that. But I did like, and he passed away a few years ago, and and you know, rest in peace. And I, I admired the way he tried to help people. So he's 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 frankly the best motivational speaker I've ever listened to. But but his whole thing was all about if you can if you can help people get what they want, then you'll get what you want. And, and which sounds to me very selfless. And so. I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that selling is a verb. I'm going to go sell this customer. And I would I would argue that people don't want to be sold. People want to be helped. And and so selling at the end of the day is about two things, helping people and communicating effectively. And, and so you'll find that top salespeople these days aren't the ones who are the most gregarious. They don't have a fake smile. They don't have this tight fake hand-shaped grip or whatever, they're kind of uh, understated, authentic, regular mm-hmm. folks. And and customers seem to appreciate folks who are real. And and sometimes you hear, well, you know, it's, it's really good to tell the truth. Well, no kidding. Well, I, I mean, I, if you ever breach your integrity, you don't deserve to win. But but how about, how about being authentic and just being a regular person and trying to be helpful to the customer? And uh, Zig used to say, if you can help enough other people get what they want, then then you'll ultimately get what you want. So, I like that. That's great. I love. That's a great quote. I'm um, just writing that down for myself right now. Um, so, what one more question I had, and, and this goes back to earlier when we were talking about uh, your days as an individual contributor. You know, you mentioned that you sales management came to you and said, "Hey, we're setting unreachable goals for you, and you're still smashing it out of the park." If you can remember that far back, what, what were you thinking on a day in and day out basis where, you know, mentally you say, I, I'm already 120% to my number. There's four months left in the year. What kind of kept you, your foot, like pedal on the metal? And, and I'm sure you do that still today when you're doing such a great job. Maybe you hit your first bestseller and you continue publishing after that. You know, what kind of keeps you driving towards that next accomplishment? Uh, well, not to throw it back at you, but I think the word is accomplishment. I, I think, uh, you know, I think um, there's a certain amount of pride when you get to the top of Mount Everest and say, I did it. And 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 then you look at the next mountain and say, I can do that one, too. And so, so again, you know, as I clawed my way up from being relatively unsuccessful or struggling, like many people have in their early years and in their careers, you know, finally being one of the people who who made it to then be in the top guy for seven years or whatever. You know, my, my first book, I'll give you an example. Secrets of question-based selling came out in 1999 and I get a, 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 what you call a royalty report every six months from the publisher. And it's outsold itself every six months for now 18 years. And and wow. so, so but but as soon as it came out, I had all this stuff that that I was teaching that wasn't in the book, and I thought, well, seems like if I really want to help people, I ought to put that write that down. And then four months later, book two came out, and and then I thought, well, okay. And and as the 
as the business and selling environment has evolved, the additional books haven't outdated the earlier books. They've just continued to add to it. You know, I, I think you have to evolve. And, and so, you know, I, I find it odd that you go to the bookstore today and you pull out a sales book, close your eyes and pull out a sales book, look at the copyright date. It, it'll be 1975. And you just want to say, wait a minute, don't, don't you think the business environment has changed a little bit in the last 40 years, right? Or even if it's 1992, you kind of want to say, haven't things changed? And so the only reason, you know, and you could argue, well, Tom, your your first book came out in 1999 and it's 18 years later. Well, that's right. But but I'm I'm writing about the execution. And, and it's my belief, and somebody might disagree with me, maybe you guys, I, I don't think gaining credibility will ever become unimportant in sales. I don't think that's ever going to change. Uh, I don't I don't think piquing the customer's interest or leveraging curiosity will ever become out of vogue. And, and so, or com, com, communicating more value or having competitive advantage. And, and those are the things I have focused on in sales. And then, and then basically all I have been doing is teaching people how to, do what I did, and and of course, you know that that has too has evolved, you know, over time. And am I the greatest salesperson in the world? I I don't know, but I I create a lot of good ones. Yep. Well, I think that's also the mark of a you know of a of a good coach or a good mentor is you know are they you know, surpassing you or are you passing that down? And I think clearly with the with the resume of firms you work with and continue to work with, I think that's that certainly rings true. Well, I know we are incredibly grateful to have you, Thomas. It's been really fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Real quick before we wrap things up, you have a fall boot camp coming up in October. Where can people find you and how can they find out about that event? Well, we have a lot of events. The fall boot camp is the next thing that's coming up. It's uh, we, we I get hired by companies to come and train their sales teams. Uh, periodically, we do open enrollments where people from all over the country, sometimes internationally, come. Uh, to either test drive or or go through the training themselves. So everything's on mm -hmm. the website, but it's uh, qbsresearch.com. And, and uh, you know, we try to put a lot of content on. It's not an advertising site. Um, most of the people, I, I, I find, if I can help people be more effective, then my calendar stays full. And, and so, you know, if you want to hype yourself up, that's just, that's, you know that's that's not my persona and it's not what we do and most people appreciate that frankly they're they're kind of done with hype and they're ready for for real meat and so if they are then we're here wow that was a great episode uh number two if if you are in sales and you know of any age but especially if you're a millennial hope you're taking notes you might want to rewind that a couple times um, for what Tom was saying there at the end with his, um, you know, some of the sessions that he has and, and all the books we discussed, we'll have some links to those and where you can find Tom on social media below the podcast. Again, uh, you know, hopefully you enjoyed. We're having a great time here. Please, please, if you enjoyed it, share it with your friends, share it with your family, and we'll be back for number three pretty soon. Thanks, guys.